Dear Heavenly Father, a group of your children are here to praise you because you are our creator and redeemer. To praise you because you give us this opportunity to be in ASI convention, hearing so many stories that tell us about your mercy and love for us. Please inspire us to finish strong. Bless us with your presence in our heart and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
Good afternoon, everyone. Have we not been blessed today by the many, many facets of our program? All of the comments I've had have been positive, and, and we, we rejoice at what the Lord is doing through the combination of lay people and the Seventh-day Adventist denomination. We are all part of the church. Some of us get paid by the denomination. Some of us get paid otherwise by the Lord. I have with me on the platform today Elder Jim Pedersen, who is president of the local conference, president of the Northern California Conference. I think we have about 40,000 members, don't we, in Northern? And our theme this afternoon, which we're going to highlight, by the way, I have Elder Mike Ryan, who is vice president of the general conference to represent different levels of the church. But our theme today, this afternoon, the next two hours, is how our supporting ministries are involved actively in supporting. That's the support word of the church. We have a perspective of our conference uh, with our conference president who can tell you his experience and perspective and advice if you have it. Uh, and then we'll get it from the world level. My experience as a layman is that we're all part of the same church. We, we have a heart that, that beats the same way. We have the same ob objectives and we have a little different job description, that's all. Elder Pedersen, would you share with us? Well, first of all, let me welcome you to the beautiful Northern California Conference. It is a joy to extend greetings on behalf of almost 40,000 Seventh-day Adventists in this territory. It's good to welcome ASI back to Sacramento, and it's a pleasure to have the current president, for the next few hours anyway, also as a member of the Northern California Conference. We have a number of ASI ministries here in our territory, and it is a joy to work with each and every one. We have partnered with a number of them through the years. I currently serve as the board chair for Amazing Facts and Weimar Board, and we have also had the opportunity to partner with Maranatha Volunteers International. Just a few years ago, we set a goal of sponsoring 25 churches that needed to be built in the country of Mozambique. And as a conference, we took that on as a goal. And it's such a pleasure and it was such a joy to work with them and to see that happen and th see things come to fruition. And we're working with them again to see what our next project is going to be. But the focus of working together and of cooperation really, to me, comes out of the experience of Jesus' prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed to his Father that you and I be one. And that unity of the spirit, that unity of believers is seen in so many ways. And it is what Jesus is calling us to, of cooperation, of communication, of working together for the kingdom of God and the soon return of Jesus. Thank you very much, Elder Pedersen. Um, Mike, you have a broad perspective. You've been a lot of places, done a lot of things. Would you share with us from an international perspective what you believe about the, the supporting ministries working together with the church. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. You know, I'm happy to be a member of a church that has a theology that believes in the priesthood of believers. What does that mean? What that means is, is that every person who claims to be a Seventh-day Adventist becomes a disciple and an ambassador of the gospel. And there's responsibility there. You know, I've had... Uh, the privilege of traveling to many, many places in the world. 
And what a thrill it is to go there and to find that there are supporting ministries who are partnering with the church. Now, you know, when you're in North America, you have a lot of things taking place. But when you are in countries uh, like Mongolia, you are just happy when people come. I remember at, when I first came to the General Conference in 1990, and they gave me this list of unentered countries. And I remember looking at the list, and we were trying to decide, well, how in the world are we going to go about this? You know, what a, what a joy it was to realize that there were supporting ministries that were partnering with us. I remember getting off of the airplane and being met by a supporting ministry in Mongolia, and I think probably most of you know that story, and they're the ones who started the church there. They developed the literature. They did the Bible studies. They organized the church. And uh, what a thrill it was to partner with them. Uh, I uh, know that as you walk through the booth area, you can look at all of the supporting ministries. I want to assure you that uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church values the resource of ASI and the ministries that are partners in this initiative. I also want to thank you on behalf of the church. And you know, I believe that commonly we believe that Jesus is coming again. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your support. Thank you very much, Elders Pedersen and Ryan. We are a part of the church. We serve willingly. We just have a different paycheck. Our paycheck comes from the Lord in some other way. Stay tuned this afternoon. We have some more good interviews, some more good music, and wonderful inspiration to follow. Joel and Joyce Myers have chosen as a family to serve in the Navajo Nation, Monument Valley, where our denomination used to operate a hospital. What is it that prepared you folks to be able to serve in this unique mission for the Navajo people? We spent seven years in the country of Nepal, planting the church there among the Nepali people. Well, what kind of work uh, did you do that was similar to what you're doing now among the Navajo? We were uh, doing health and uh, medical missionary work out in the mountains uh, and also training in agriculture and uh, development in, in that area. Yeah, what are the particular needs of the Navajo people that you're, that you're working with now? There's a huge need in the area of health Two-thirds of adult Navajos have type 2 diabetes. Two-thirds. And uh, there are also, uh, there's a high rate of addictions to alcohol and, and other substances that, and also the, the needs in their families to understand how to raise their children uh, is also a huge need. Uh, what, what was it that oppressed your family to come and serve in the Navajos? We, um, in Nepal, we had worked where there were Mongolian tribes, and the Navajos have their roots in Mongolia. They came across hmm. the Bering Strait, and uh, 
So we saw many similarities. And uh, after we had come back and taken some training at Uchi Pines, our children uh, just felt a uh, immediate bond with the Navajo people as we traveled through uh, Navajo country. So you really uh, allowed this family service to uh, be a complete family unit. I mean, you didn't just make the decision to say, hey, kids, we're going here. That's right. We actually uh, were praying together. And uh, actually, when, I when we visited the desolate area of southern Utah, I'm really uh, a gardener and agriculturalist at heart. It was so barren, oh, I just thought, oh, I don't think I could possibly come here. But my girls, they were just convinced that this is where God wanted us to be. And then, of course, I did discover that you could grow things real well there also. Well, a year, for, a year or two from now, how would you picture what your ministry is going to look like? Um, I'd like my wife to be able to share a little bit about that. Well, things are really starting to happen there, and we're really excited about that. We have things that the um, Octagon Health Center is about, it's going to be opening shortly, and so we'll have that with the treatments for the uh, diabetes and various diseases there. We found that it really is helpful in reaching the traditional type people. And we also are planning a greenhouse and um, a garden, and we're also going to be doing some things to, uh, like building um, various things that can be sold there that will help with the industry, and also the school is really progressing there. We're getting more students, and we're having more programs with that. Did you say your health center is an octagon? Yes, that's the shape that the all the healing places on the Navajo Nation are either hogans or octagons. And so when we built it, we decided to go with the octagon shape so it would be comfortable for them. Have you had community involvement that has helped in uh, Yes, we had. On One of uh, our local gentlemen that is really good with stucco, he came around just around the time that we needed to do the stucco and I was not familiar with doing stucco because I learned back in the East. And um, he said, uh, when are you gonna do that stucco? I said, well, we really need to get it done. But I said, all of the work has been done with volunteers. And he left and a few days later he came back. He said, I really wanna help you with that. I'm gonna be here on Monday. Toward the end, he helped us for three weeks. Toward the end of that time, he, uh, I asked him, Carl, why are you doing this? He said, well, I can see that you are here to help my community, and I just want to be a part of it. How have your children been able to take an active part? They've been able to help. Uh, Joanna here on the left has been teaching cello, and she also uh, works with a health program and a camp program. Mark has been working with the Hay Ministry, and the people there just love him. They say he really responds the best. They just really enjoy that. Did I say Mark? And then uh, Joella is going to be leading out in our, in our health center. And I wanted just to share a story real quick about Loretta. She, um, uh, one of our friends here, uh, she came and she was getting hay, and then we, when we were doing health programs, we had a lot of mission trips coming that wanted to get close to the people. 
And so we said, let's do something different. Let's take the groups out into their homes and let them get acquainted with the people and help them on the home level. And so we created seminars to do that way, and we had them focus on hydrotherapy, cooking schools, health education, and sharing spiritual things with them. Loretta was one of the homes. We went out there, and when we were doing the treatments, now she's a staunch traditional, and that means they follow the traditional Navajo customs, and they're not really favorable to Christianity. So when they did the hot foot bath, she said, wow, it's just like the, the medicine man. You know, they dig a hole in the sand, put your feet in, in the hot ash, wrap you up, put claws on your head when you sweat. When we did the fomentations, they said the same thing. You're just like the medicine man. And it has been a real bonding experience, and even the traditional people in the community, now they hear about that, and they say, we'll even send our kids to your school because you're like one of us. The health message is the opening wedge that enters, that opens their hearts. Uh, they, they have lots of stories on how they've been impacting the lives of the Navajo people, so take them aside as you see them walking in the halls. Incidentally, could you use any more musical instruments in your music program? It would be a real blessing. We don't have enough for everyone to have one right now, and if you have an extra one you would like to share, especially cellos and violins and perhaps some flutes, we'd be delighted. Thank you very much, Meyer family. Bless you. <clears throat> Dr. John Torquato is a Loma Linda graduate, class of 1998, and he's board certified in family medicine. Uh, the patients flock to his clinic uh, at Hayden, Hayden Lake in Idaho, close to Coeur d'Alene, and they come to learn about better health. But the unique way that they've been sharing Christ in the marketplace is something you're going to know about. And he's joined today by Pastor Doug Venn, who is his pastor and partner in this operation. Dr. John, please tell me how you determined to become a medical missionary in this country. When I was in high school, I met a man who gave me Bible studies. He was a Seventh-day Adventist physician, and he came to give Bible studies in my home. And I determined to be like him one day. Well, uh, is he the person that contributed to your conversion story then? He is the man who brought me to Christ, and uh, he was the man who became my father-in-law years later. Mm. <laughs> How does your pastor fit into the community mix when you're invited to come and speak? Well, whenever we have uh, an invitation to come to the community, I would let the community leaders or the people in the community know, I would be happy to come and talk to you, but my pastor goes with me. Uh, for instance, the pastor one day said, you know, I'd really like to get a chance to meet some of the fraternities at the uh, Washington State University um, campus, and it's really kind of hard to get in there sometimes. Because uh, they don't like to hear the pre preacher, do they? At times, they don't. <laughs> and so um, I called one of the fraternities, and I said, would you guys like to have an HIV lecture from a local family practice physician? And they said, what's it cost? And I said, it's free. And they said, well, yeah. And I said, okay, but I'm going to send my pastor. Uh, his day job is a pastor, but at nighttime he does my audiovisual stuff. And they said, fine, send him over. I went over and I um, sent Pastor Doug to this fraternity. He had a chance to set up the equipment, spend some time with the fraternity guys that were hanging around. And then I did an HIV lecture that was just a hard-hitting graphic lecture. These guys have like the deer in the headlights look in their face. <laughs> and afterwards, I started taking questions. 
And, of course, eventually we came around to some questions on relationship. And I said, you know, I happen to have somebody here who is an expert on relationships within the family. Let me have Pastor Doug Venn come and talk to you about his, his perspective on this. And thus, Pastor Venn was able to take over. That's right. And it was so exciting to see how the uh, health message was able to open the doors and we were able to minister practically to these practically, you know, partying, uh, hard-hitting uh, young adults there at Washington State University and University of Idaho. You know, I have found that uh, people do business with people they like. And when they can get acquainted with a pastor that would have been completely outside their social sphere, uh, it's a unique opportunity. That's right. And we even had a chance to, I got to, through that uh, relationship, there was one young adult uh, couple who I got to do counseling with, and then we packed the church with a whole bunch of Greeks, and that was an awesome time to preach the gospel there at that wedding. Um, what kinds of organizations, quickly, have you uh, had a chance to minister to in the community? Well, after... Um, uh, Doug talked to me about the fraternities. One day he was just musing. Um, I'd like to be able to talk to some of the people in the community who are community leaders. So I called up the city hall and the county commissioner's office and I said, would you guys like to have a corporate level wellness program? And they said, well, sure, would we? But what's it cost? And I said, well, it's free. And they said, well, yeah, come on over. And I said, well, before I come over, I got to tell you, my pastor goes with, wherever I go. He's my audiovisual guy. And uh, so he's going to come set up a booth for me. We're going to do a health and wellness program for you. They said, okay, we're not sure, but okay. So we went over to the county commissioner's office, to the sheriff's office, and we spent some time teaching them about the eight natural remedies, about the things that we know to do in um, Adventist medicine. We used Don Hall's material. We used Ned, uh, Neil Nedley's material. And they loved it. It was tremendous. And after doing this three or four different times over a period of a year, one day I got a phone call, and they said, Dr. Turquato, um, we would like to uh, have a, a meeting of all the county commissioners in the state of Idaho. And we would like to invite uh, you to come and do a presentation to them and their staff and the social workers from all those counties. And I said, well, that's fine, but you know the deal. And he said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Your pastor always goes where you go. I said, the that's fine. Kick. <laughs> so I, they said, fine, we know him, we like him, we know what he's like, we know what you're like, come and spend some time teaching us. And so we did. I did a half an hour presentation to all the county commissioners in the state of Idaho, and Pastor Doug Venn did the Adventist version of the seven habits of highly successful people. And one of those habits was time with your maker. And when we were finished, one of the ladies that was in the uh, group came forward and she says, you know, I've been working with my county commissioner for the last five years. And in that time, they don't know that I'm an Adventist. And they said, she Cla said, closet Adventist, you ever hear about one of those? She came forward, she said, I, I feel that you've done more in the hour that you spent with my staff than I have in the five years. I feel called to do something for them. Amen, amen. Well, Pastor, what's it feel like partnering with a physician? Well, it, it, through this partnership that we had uh, there in the Moscow and uh, Pullman area, it was so exciting to see how the doors just were blowing open to give us access to uh, minister and to serve the community in practical ways, whether it's with the young people or with the thought leaders and our public civil servants. It was just so exciting to see how the uh, working together with health evangelism or this uh, medical missionary work opened those 
stores. It also was exciting to see then one of my church members, you know, Dr. Turquado as a physician, helping him to focus on uh, the gospel ministry and evangelism. And that just, just gave me such excitement. So you two kept each other balanced then. That's right. That's oh, right. It's kind of super, a tag team. Super, super. Uh, I have found that sometimes that pastors really don't know how to recruit a physician. You know, they look at them as somebody that's going to help with their budget. Right. And it, it's true that, that many times uh, that's the, the pastors, you know, view it, uh, the physicians that way. But we're told in the writings of Ellen White that the physician uh, and we as pastors are to partner together because Jesus Christ, when he ministered uh, here on earth, he had a blended ministry. He combined medical work and healing with the gospel work. And so that way, we can model that together as we work together. And so that was awesome to do. An example? Do you have an example of uh, something significant that's come out of your practice that, uh, where you could see God's hand involved with the patient? Certainly. Uh, one episode where uh, the pastoral influence was seen from front to the end was a uh, patient who came in and essentially accosted me in the consul uh, consultation room, a University of Idaho professor, uh, angry because his wife, who had advanced disease, um, had, had essentially avoided uh, scientific medicine because of her fear of the way she was going to be treated. And he basically put his finger in my nose and accosted me. And it was the Spirit of God through the opportunity in the morning we had to worship together that gave that soft answer in return. Mm. And then when I went back and uh, the patient was preparing for their exam and I went back and I was kind of complaining to my, my uh, co-worker. I said, you know, they don't even know if they like me and they don't like doctors and, and, and I've got to go do this. How am I going to bless them? And, and my partner said to me, you're going to be with that woman when she dies, That's if she's as bad as she is. If she's as bad as what you think, she's going to be dead in just a little while. And you're going to be there. That is your job. And the, the pastoral concept of accountability in ministry came forward. And then when I saw the patient in an exam, and she had such terrible disfigurement and terrible disease and humiliating for a woman, it was just terrible. And, and, and when, I, when I was talking to her and, and, and working with her, um, recognizing how difficult it was, I said, I'm going to need to see you multiple times in order to keep kind of tabs on you. And so I started seeing her frequently, first every two weeks and then every month or so. And then one day she came in, she says, I'm having a problem. I said, what's that? She says, I'm, I'm having a discharge. I said, well, I need to do an exam. No, you're not doing an exam. You're in charge. You know what I'm looking for. You've got cancer. She says, no, you're not going to do an exam. Next time, next month she comes back. She says, I'm having a little blood in my urine. I said, well, I got to do an exam. No, you're not going to do an exam. I said, fine, you're in charge, but you know what I'm looking for. And then finally, the third time she came in and said, I'm having pain down low. And I said, I'm going to have to do an exam. And she says, no. And her, her, her husband, who had basically accosted me at the beginning, said, for goodness sake, please let him do the exam. Mm -hmm. So I went and did the exam, and she had a mass in her pelvis the size of a softball. I went and talked to her doctor. They had been driving across the state to Seattle once a week in order to be able to get care in uh, a cancer center that allowed naturopaths. And, and, and I called her uh, oncologist, and I said, hey, they're having a, a problem, and this is what I found. And here's the history. And she said, they said, oh, the poor, unfortunate woman. She has a second primary. Get her out here tomorrow, and I'll take care of her. And I got back in the room, and I said, ma'am, your, your doctor, your oncologist, thinks you have a second primary. And she let out this wailing cry. 
this, this terrible cry. She just bowed down in, in tears. And after about two or three minutes, I just reached out and I said, ma'am, I wish there was something, something I could do for you. And between her wails, she said, I wish there was some way you could convince me that it's not because I'm evil that all this happens to me. Somebody had taught her the lie that we have a vengeful God, and she deserved that kind of pain. So what was their final reaction? I told her, you know what, you're going to go to Seattle, you're going to come back. When you come back, I don't know what they're going to do with you, but when you come back, you need to have family, and you need to be with mine. Right. And so you need to come to my home. She went to Seattle, they found that she did not have a second primary, she had a walled off abscess, they did surgery, she was cured. Two weeks later, she was in my home, beginning the start of a five-year relationship with people who became my best friends and a man Amen. who became godfather to my children, who initially had accosted me because the Holy Spirit had given us the desire to serve in ministry. Amen. Physicians, partner with your pastors. Amen. And you Amen. can see the same kind of results that Amen. Dr. Cortado is seeing up in Idaho. God bless you, men. Thank you. Thank you.
Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Are you alive out there today? We've been having too much fun back in the back room here before we came out. This is Doug and Debbie Baker from Heritage Academy, and I don't know these two. <laughs> Not claiming to know them at all. Who, who are these guys, anyhow? A couple of our students from Heritage Academy. Oh, yeah. They were going to do all kinds of stuff. I said, you don't want to do that up front. No way. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm kind of a little confused. You're from Heritage Academy, but you're, you're re representing an organization called Axe. Now, what is Axe and uh, how did you get involved with representing them when you're from a different organization? That's a good question, but ACTS is uh, an organization that stands for Active Christians That Serve. And ACTS is a worldwide organization uh, founded at actswr.org. And um, they are an, a disaster response organization that mobilizes volunteers from all over the world to respond to disasters. I understand you have like a... a, a three-minute video or something we like do. that? We do, yeah. we do, that's right. Maybe we can go ahead and roll that. Okay. Once again, God is so good that we're here as a first response team in the tornado chain that devastated Alabama, just northwest of Birmingham. We're here at the First Baptist Church in a place called Pleasant Grove. God has brought us here to network, interfaith with other great Christian people. They ask us to come in here quickly to help with a, a large church in this community. And it's been a great relationship. The, tone, the town is completely devastated. We have another kitchen down at the Hill Grocery, another one uh, over in another area close by. So three kitchens that uh, are here serving the needs of the people, also helping with running the distribution lines, uh, meeting the needs of the people with surveys, taking water to the people, doing a lot of debris removal and, and tree debris removal. My name is Jordan Van Allen, and I go to Junior Heritage Academy. And right here, we're working with Axe down in Alabama from Tornado. And over here, we have distribution line. As you can probably see right behind me, they're over here making meals. Um, people come, they donate, you know, assorted cans, bags of chips, food, and our job is to just put it together so we can hand it to them, make a meal. And so a car can just come through here, we can load them up, and, you know, they can just go on their way. There's a very special aspect going on here in our first response team that happens very often when we respond internationally and domestically, and that's and that's International Rescue and Relief at Union College. My name is Aaron Kent. I'm from a team from Union College in Lincoln, Nebraska. We have a light search and rescue team. We do technical rescue. And we came down here to Birmingham, Alabama to give Axe a hand. Axe put us in contact with a team of canine units that we've been working with. So right now they're teamed up with our search and rescue team and we're working with the dogs in order to try and uncover the last possible chance of survivors. One of the most important aspects of going into work in any disaster uh, site and incident is that you collaborate with the local city people, whether it be the police chief, we have a wonderful relationship with the mayor as well, uh, the fire department working at the EOC at the county level and the state level. God has opened many doors in that they are very thankful that once again we've responded, uh, being invited by a number of agencies uh, who are coming to know what volunteers can do to make a difference being first responders to make it right here so that we can save lives both emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Amen. Wow. Uh, Doug, um, 
how in the world did you get involved with this organization? I mean, well, you... <clears throat> Axe itself began in 2004. There was a series of four hurricanes that went through Florida, and so Axe began as a local church response to the need, and it has grown over the so years. So this, this kind of started out like a local community service activity of a local Ex church exactly, in Florida. Exactly, right. And what's and then, happened with it since then? Well, then 2005, Katrina, and there was a relationship that developed between the schools in the Southern Union and ACTS, and so um, pretty much all the academies in the Southern Union were responding to Katrina and um, going down to uh, Bass Academy and to um, Waveland, Mississippi in response. Since that time, Heritage Academy has been involved in about 15, 16 deployments with ACTS over those years. And of course, you know, during these years, the intensity of natural disasters has increased and their frequency. Yeah. Are there other organizations getting involved with ACTS? Is it growing at all or? Well, you know, ACTS is, um, ACTS partners together. Um, with the school's uh, North American um, Division Office of Education is partnered with ACTS. Mm -hmm. So universities, Adventist universities, Adventist schools, mm -hmm. um, doctors. Um, in Haiti, I think 6,000 volunteers wow. um, from Adventist so medical So this is really community. mushroomed. I mean, as natural disasters have skyrocketed more in the last several years, then ACTS has gotten to grow more and more and more people involved. Debbie, have you been involved with any like local disasters that have happened recently? And actually, unfortunately, through the South, um, many of us experienced a, just a horrific evening of uh, tornadoes. And yes, we did uh, respond both locally to local um, uh, mountain uh, community and also to Alabama, uh, to just north of Birmingham, to Pleasant Grove that you saw in the video. Wow. You know, I was just looking on a website and I noticed that if you look at natural disasters, how they've increased in the last five to 10 years, you go back in the 1990s, it'd be like three natural disasters, and now it's gotten to, to the point where, like, for 2010, the list is like this long of all these different major disasters that have happened worldwide. So these guys here, your shirt's a little dirty. Is that because you were doing some kind of relief or something like that? Who are these guys, anyhow? Would you like to introduce them? Sure. Uh, Jordan Van Allen is now a senior. Um, uh -huh. beginning, and uh, Brandon Lanfear was uh, just graduated as so, now alumni. Brandon, have you been involved with some of the AXA outreach? That yes, sir. I've actually been on four deployments myself to uh, Mississippi, Alabama. There was flooding in Nashville that we worked with extensively. Uh -huh. And so what are some of the things that you were doing? Uh, I personally, I worked on a distribution line. I helped take care of people that had lost everything, you know, giving them food, clothing. Um, I ran a chainsaw, cutting people, you know, cutting trees off from their homes, off of their vehicles. <laughs> and how has it affected you personally? I mean, has this made any kind of impact on your life, you know? Well, um, cutting people would, uh, so I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> you should have heard him behind the curtain. <laughs> I got up here, I was like, I'm not going to make any mistakes, you know. When we're out working, uh, making mistakes is not an option. Uh -huh. But the greatest part about working with other people is the fact that when you come to them and they have lost everything, it doesn't matter if they're a Hindu, it doesn't matter if they're a Baptist, a Presbyterian, it doesn't matter who they are. When you come to them and you give them something when they've lost everything, that means something to them. And yeah. they want to know why you want to do that for them. Hey, Debbie, when you were there, did you have a chance to like pray with people? And besides just giving them relief for the, the losses that they've ensued, did you have like any spiritual encounters at all? You know, I, I think for all of our students, I don't think there's a one of them 
both staff and students or anyone that's volunteer that doesn't have the opportunity to reach out to someone in prayer. Mm -hmm. When someone's standing there before you that's lost everything, um, they're looking and searching for answers. And you don't even have to ask. They beg you, please, would you pray for me? And, um, you know, it really is a blessing to be able to, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in yeah. that moment for them. Yeah, when people are at their greatest need, that's the chance where you can really help meet their spiritual needs too. Amen. Well, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you. Thank you. Next, uh, next we're going to have a person that you're well, is well known here, Don Noble. And uh, Jason Fournier, and I said that right, didn't I, Jason? I always want to say Fournier, but it's a French word, and so, right? It's French, right? That's correct. Okay. So, Don, you're with Maranatha Volunteers, and they've been involved with uh, quite a while with the uh, One Day Church Project. Now, how many of you have heard of the One Day Church Project? Almost everybody here has, but for their viewing audience and those that haven't, why don't you tell us really quickly a little bit about the One Day Church Project and Maranatha's connection with that? First of all, I'm really glad to see so many hands go up that are familiar with the One Day Church Project. You know, the One Day Church started a few years ago. It was a direct response to a huge, huge number of requests that have come in for churches and schools around the world. The Macedonian call, if you will, from around the world. The church has grown so much in the areas where the folks just cannot afford to uh, provide a church and a school for their children or for their communities. A place that, uh, you know, God can come and be there with them and it uh, shows where the Creator God is. And what happens is uh, the church grows, people are proud uh, of their church, and that's why we got so excited about the One Day Church, because God's kingdom grows as a result of it. And we started building. We, I was in Garwin's uh, living room, actually, when we started talking about this and said, wow. what do we do? Mm -hmm. What do we do? Mm -hmm. 100,000 requests for churches, 50,000 requests for schools. Yeah. Something had to be done to be built faster, more economically, and uh, otherwise we're just, you know, not, not meeting the needs. So that's, that's how it came about. And we've involved a lot of partners. Mm -hmm. uh, here's one of them. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Fournier has, uh, with Kibadula has been helping with One Day Church. We've been working with other uh, ASI ministries. Uh, Daryl Off from Living uh, Waters is working in Kenya. Of course, uh, Alan Knowles, Riverside Farms, Gary Roberts and Chad, Barry Mosier up in Congo. Yeah. A lot of uh, people that we're working with. A lot of volunteers, uh, churches, schools here in North America getting involved in this program. It's exciting to see now you see this morning, Adra is getting involved. Uh, I'm trying to think of other people that have been involved in uh, partnering on this because it's really, it takes everybody. It's not just a Maranatha thing. It's not just an ASI thing. It's not just a church thing. That's how it started. But we need everybody's involvement to uh, respond to this tremendous need around the world. Yeah. It's really important to understand that when we do evangelism in these different remote areas, that unless we establish a building there, Oftentimes, what we do can fall apart. The church is an establishing factor to make that whole thing continue to grow and to continue to happen there. It's yeah. extremely important. Um, I, should, I should mention just uh, one other partner that's, uh, uh, some of you may have heard that there was uh, a partnership that was unusual with uh, 3ABN. Danny Shelton even wrote a song about the one-day church and put together a whole CD 
to, wow. to promote the One Day Church. Well, earlier so. today they played a song that was the One Day Church. That wasn't Danny Shelton singing, though, on there. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't Danny singing, but he did write the song. Oh, and he did so write the song. Okay. There's other partners, of course. Uh, I think that uh, God sends a lot of, uh, what should we call them, logistics angels to be involved in this project because when you're working in the areas that these projects go, I tell you, you need a lot of help from above. <laughs> so we need the logistics <laughs> angels to go ahead of us and work out the details. But uh, Jason's probably better at talking about that. Yeah, Jason, so you're, you're in Africa, and is it Tanzania? Is it? That's correct. It's I live in Tanzania. At a, I'm director of a small mission station called Kibidula Farm. We have a school of agriculture, a school of evangelism, a primary school. We have a publishing ministry. We send out global pioneers or lay missionaries into unentered areas to spread the gospel where the gospel has never been preached. And most recently, uh, we've had the privilege of working together with Maranatha and ASI on this project. I think it's a wonderful project of the One Day Church. Now, you have some pictures here. Could you tell us a little bit about these pictures? Okay. Um, well, you can just see the, the picture there, but moving on to the next one. The need for the churches. Um, this is a church that was hit by a storm. And you can see it's just a grass and reed and stick structure. It, it was completely destroyed. And that's what we meet all over the place. And so we replaced that church. We've also had the privilege of going into Maasai land. Where the gospel, the Maasai have been slow to accept the gospel. But in recent years, they've been opening up. And it's been a tremendous privilege to go into Maasai land where they don't actually have permanent buildings. And we've built these churches for them and, and they are amazed. And they are filling them. Um, moving on to the next picture. Um, okay, one back. I've been using my pickup to begin with to build these churches. And... Uh, the pickup was being overloaded and the frame started to crack apart. And last year, ASI paid for, partially for a new truck. And that's the picture of when I first took delivery of the new truck. And now we can load 10 churches on the truck. And we can leave Sunday morning and come back uh, before Friday having finished 10 churches. Did I hear you right? 10 churches on that truck? We put 10 <laughs> churches on this can, truck. Can you imagine that? And, and there it is, the first church we built from that truck. There are nine still sitting on the truck in that picture. And the Lord has greatly blessed. I'm especially privileged to be part of this project in a, in a wide way in Tanzania. Oh, praise God. So, Don, uh, you, I know you have a video or something you want to show with the close here. But what were you going to say about this video? You had some kind of like preamble or something you had for it? Well, I was just going to say that... Uh, this program isn't just about buildings. This program is about souls for the kingdom of God. Amen. That's the point. It's a, you know, we don't need more buildings. We need more people for Jesus and uh, his kingdom. And a project was done in January of this year that included a lot of the partners that I talked about a few minutes ago. It was over in Vic Falls, uh, Zimbabwe. Now, if you don't know very much about Zimbabwe, it has uh, an unemployment rate of 95%. So the people don't have very much, but uh, we built uh, 
with so many partners, ASI, Kibadula, Riverside, a uh, lot of volunteers here from North America, built two lovely campuses there at Vic Falls, and it just opened here about two months ago. It opened in the middle of the school year, so some of the students had to quit their other school and uh, come there, but a lot of these kids didn't know anything about Jesus. Two weeks ago, there was a couple people, including my wife, who was there, and they took a little video that showed these young children, just uh, some of the children, and they're singing a song that tells you that they're starting to learn about what matters, just as little children are learning about Jesus. So go to Zimbabwe here and watch a couple children, or a group of children sing at the brand new one day school. Amen. Praise the Lord, that's where your money goes for the one-day school. I'd just like to reiterate, these buildings uh, hold the community together when you have a building to go to. I was, I was uh, traveling in, in uh, India, and they told me one time, they said, is your church so weak, your God so weak, that you can't build a, a temple to your God? And when we can establish structures like this, it shows also in the community that, that we do have a God that can build a temple in dedication to the God that we serve and the people can assemble there. Don, any quick closing thought you want to share? You know, I just want to thank this group and anybody that's watching Amen. through prayers. I so often hear that people are praying because these projects take more than simply money. They take money, but they need prayers. I encourage you to pray. There's guys out there in the field. You know some of the troubles that you face, Jason. These people are running into some very, very difficult situation in some countries of the world that we can hardly even imagine. But we still need to take God's message there. Amen. So please pray for the project and support it when you can. It's making a difference for God's kingdom. Amen. Thank you. I want to argue with Don Noble. Give money too. We appreciate your prayers at Maranatha and they are marvelously helpful. But every once in a while, just take a minute and think about the dollar figure that it takes to build a school campus somewhere in the world. And when you save a dollar here or a dollar there, add it in. Those campuses will exist only if your generosity makes it possible. Two people I want you to meet whose generosity and excitement for the gospel really made a difference. Now, Alana Smith, Brandon Schroeder, right? right. No, I can never be sure. Alana, you two work with GYC, and GYC works with teenagers to connect them with God. But what's your role with GYC? You know, I am blessed enough to have a behind-the-scenes job at GYC and work um, with the convention center. <laughs> yeah. So nobody ever gets to see you. Oh, that's the idea. Today you're out front. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. What do you do? 
I uh, work with uh, the hotel and convention center staff to do uh, the housing, meals, registration, all that kind of good stuff to get ready for GYC. So a year before any convention, you are visiting the town. Correct. Like a year ago, you went to Baltimore. Right now, you're visiting Houston. That's right. And when you walk into the Hilton Hotel and you go to their convention management staff, what do you say to them? Well, it's actually very interesting because I tell them that uh, there's 5,000 youth coming to their city, that they're coming during their Christmas break, and that they are all vegetarian. And so those items... And when you start, and yeah. when you hit, they were fine until you hit vegetarian. Yeah, then their mouths <laughs> drop open and they have many interesting questions. So what, are the, what kind of things do they ask? Well, recently I was in Houston, this has happened in May, and um, we were meeting over lunch talking about some logistics items, and the event manager looked at our group and said, can you tell me why should I be a Seventh-day Adventist? What makes your church any different than uh, any of the other Christian denominations? And that's a question you're getting from someone who is trying to figure out how to do thousands of vegetarian meals. Exactly, yeah. And they forget about the vegetarianism, and they say, wait a minute, these people are different. Why should I be like you? That's exactly right. And we spent the next 10 minutes uh, talking to her about uh, what the Seventh-day Adventist Church, Church believes in, um, you know, and the difference it is uh, to other denominations. Okay, so a really practical question. When, when you actually come then and you're dealing with the people who are running the escalators and all of the rest, do the GYC kids have an impact on the people at the hotels? Yes, and that's a very good question, and the answer is yes, there is, and stories are story. coming in. Yes, uh, there was a security officer who was in the exhibit hall, and he had very limited time there, but at the end, one of our attendees started talking to him, and he said, this is absolutely amazing, I have never seen anything like this, I wish there was something like this when I was young, and come to find out, he had been raised in a Seventh-day Adventist home and uh, was no longer practicing Seventh-day Adventist and had planned and admitted that he was going to go start going back to church the next Sabbath. Wow. You never know. Exactly. The escalator story. you got to tell me the okay. escalator story. <laughs> One more. There's a lady, a security officer that, you know, uh, monitors the escalators going up. and um, Stop running. Yeah. No running on the escalator, exactly. kids. You know. And uh, she... Uh, was always getting prayed with with some GYC attendee at any given time. You could see her. She was <laughs> being um, talked to by some GYC attendee. And at the end, she was all by herself, and some person came to her and said, you know, wasn't this conference amazing? And she said, I have never seen anything like this in my entire life. I have never seen people from different nationalities and races interacting like this. And she says, I have a friend who is a Seventh-day Adventist, and I intend to ask her if I can go to church with her. Yes. Brandon, yes. what impact do GYC attendees have on Baltimore or any city where they go? You know, Dick, we knocked on 38, over 38,000 doors. There's no way that you can do something <laughs> 38, like that. 38,000 doors in Baltimore alone? Yeah, and th those represent over 100,000 people, you know? Like, and there's so no way that you can do something like that in a city and not have an impact. Give me one specific and moment that reminds us of how. There were, there were a couple of people going door to door. They knocked on somebody's door. The guy's getting ready to leave. He says, I don't have time. They say, can we at least pray with you before you leave? Okay, okay, you can pray with me. So they pray with him. He gets in his truck, and he's driving down the street, and he sees other people knocking on more doors. And he's like, I wonder if this is the same group. So he stops his truck. He gets out. He goes to him, and he says, listen, are you with the same group? They say, yeah. He says, you have no idea. I was having a horrible day, and somebody just knocked on my door, and they prayed for me, and it's totally turned my day around. That's a specific event with one guy at one point. 
There's How more. does that transfer? There's more. Well, there's it's thousands everywhere. more. How does that transfer to an eternal transformation? You know, you can see it not even just in the community that we were in, but in the world. You know, we had somebody that came from Scotland, and she comes to, to Baltimore. She didn't want to go on outreach, but her friend convinced her to go on outreach. And so she had an amazing time, and now she's back in Scotland. You know what she does every Sabbath? She goes with her church members knocking on doors. She says, I'm the only person, I'm probably the only person in Scotland that does this. But just because of that one afternoon in one city, in one country, there are people that have been touched, that their lives are being changed. And, and in some cases, it was just a prayer. In other cases, it was somebody whose paradigm was shifted to an extent that they now go back home and they're going out sharing the gospel with those people that are around them. It has a huge impact. There's no way it can be anything but huge. You've got 15 seconds. Invite everybody to send their grandkids next year. If you, you know somebody, you know somebody, you're thinking, man, you know, that young person, I have a burden for them. You can sponsor them. You can help them. Uh, for more information, you can, you can either just Google GYC or check out gycweb.org. Uh, registration opens later this month, and all the information that you need is there. So encourage the young people, support them, get them to GYC. It will change their lives and yours. Thank you both. Give them a big hand, yes, Alana and Brandon. Okay, I've got another crowd. One of the things that has intrigued me as I have been a Seventh-day Adventist pastor now for a couple months, like a lifetime, is the number of acronyms we have that have great meanings. And so you're in the Army now, right, right, Ivor? That's right. Okay, so pastor, tell us what it means to be in the Army. All right, well, first of all, Army right up to your lips, is right. an acronym that's uh, an acronym. <laughs> okay, I'm a believer. It, uh, it, it stands for Adventist Revival Movement of the End Times. And we believe that uh, true revival is based upon a study of the Word of God and a return to deep prayer. And so Army Bible Camp is basically a five-day camp. By the way, it also stands for Arm Me. It's actually spelled A-R-M-E, Arm Me with the word of God, arm me with the tools that I need uh, to, to go out into the world and to share my faith. And so what we do at Army Bible Camp is we have a five-day Bible camp where we invite different speakers to come and share their secrets to Bible study, um, how they open the word of God and how they, they break down scriptures, how they put together their sermons. And basically the lay person can learn this and take it back and make it applicable in his or her own life. Melody, bring me an update on that. Tell me how that works and where you've been doing it. As Pastor Mars was mentioning, Army is all about revival, and we've just been seeing revival through the power of the word, Bible study, revival through the power of prayer, especially united prayer, and revival to mission and ministry. And we actually had our first Army Bible camp in 2009 in SoCal, California. We had over 350 people, and God just blessed. The facilities were maxed out. And we have continued to see God's blessing. We just had our sixth Army Bible Camp at Upper Columbia Academy just last week, and we had over 700 people at that event. Okay, now I'm going to stop you for just a minute. Those last two pictures that I was looking at, there's a lot of people praying. What role does prayer play in the Army Bible Camp? United Prayer prays, plays a foundational role in Army Bible Camp because we believe that that is the key to what God is bringing through revival at the camp. Now, you have two more pictures. Yes. Take me on a trip with one of those. Okay. 
like I was talking about, we have a testimony here. You see a young man by Pastor Ratsara there in the middle, and his name is Lawrence. Lawrence actually came into a prayer room that we had at SoCal Camp Manning about a year ago. And he wasn't meaning to come into the prayer room, but he kind of got pulled into it. But when he was there, he really felt the power of God, and he was, he was genuinely touched, and he came back a second time. He later came to our Bible camp uh, the next month, and he was convicted. He gave his life to Christ. I forgot to mention that he was a, a drug dealer, gang leader, fresh out of jail when he came into the, into the prayer room initially. So he came to our Bible camp, gave his life to Christ, cut off his hair. He had long hair before the camp was even over. We didn't even say anything about cutting off your hair. We believe that if we have heart reform, the other reforms will follow. So we are teaching heart reform first and foremost. Well, Lawrence went home and he started a ministry called Christ Frontline Operation, which is a prayer ministry. We had two young men the other night that shared that are continuing on Christ Frontline Operation. Powerful prayer Bible study ministry. Through the funds of generous donors that came into Army, we were able to sponsor Lawrence to go to AFCO along with a number of other students. Lawrence graduated from AFCO about a month and a half ago, and now he's doing Bible work for Army, and he's also leading prayer rooms. And so God has just taken him. And Lawrence is just one of hundreds of testimonies of revival that we have seen in the lives of, of people of all ages that come to Army. Army is for all ages. It's not just grown-ups and it's not just children. Okay, Paul, I'm gonna come around here all the way to you. Pastor Paul, the first time I listened to you preach in Madagascar was in that big stadium. Yes. And you were pouring your heart out in your local language to the people. Have you taught them how to preach like that at Army? Well, um, maybe we help each other. <laughs> <laughs> now, they have been coming to your division at your request. Well, um, it, it has started this way. You know, last year... Uh, you know, during the annual council of the general conference in Washington, actually Maryland, um, the general conference invited uh, Army Bible Camp to help with the united prayer and the prayer room. And I was so enthusiastic about it, and uh, I attended, and I went to the prayer room many times, and I was blessed. And I said to myself, this is a good idea. Let me invite them to our division as well, the Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. Let me invite them. So they came and they helped us with, with the united uh, prayer and the prayer room. I tell you, uh, we were blessed. The impact of prayer during our executive committee, we spent more time praying, and less time in doing business items. Now, I, I want you to say that again, because it's really crucial, I think, for all of us to hear that Army Prayer Ministries is impacting the way the church does business. So tell us again, okay. when I come to, you, to your union or division committee, I'm going to be praying more than doing business? We spend more time praying and the impact is just incredible. Uh, the time is shorter and the spirit is sweet and yet the outcome is tremendous. Even sessions, we have union sessions, conference sessions, and those sessions turn into revival meetings. 
<laughs> Melody, you actually got together and you went with folk from the division all the way up, what, 4,000 kilometers? Yeah, we spent a month in SID this spring traveling about 4,600 miles through Africa leading United Prayer. And you were doing the kinds of things that Dr. Paul is talking about here? Yes. Really? Did it work? Yes, it did. God's Spirit is being poured out. And you watched business sessions compress and prayer sessions expand. God is leading. God is blessing. Amen. Pastor Ivor, how valuable is this in ministry? We've seen it make an incredible impact uh, when people come and uh, they have ministries that they're running. They go back and we see people, we hear testimonies all the time of how people uh, their ministries have changed. The way that they do business and the way that they do ministry uh, revolutionized. Paul Ratzara, last question for you. It's young people leading armies. What about the impact that's having on the young people of your division? In fact, I, I just want to, to say that I attended uh, right here twice, actually, the Army Bible Camp, one in Georgia and one in Washington State. I was blessed. To answer your question, the young people, it's just amazing to see how they embrace this. They love prayer, and uh, their lives uh, have been changed, and we, we praise God. This is the way. This is the way. And when young people are praying, the church has a good future. Thank you. We just want to invite oh, you, you want to invite them all for the next camp. I'm sorry, Mel. Go. We just want to invite you. We have a um, large event actually coming up at PUC next summer, July 4 through 8, 2012. So save the date for that. We're going to have an Army Excel event right here in Central California. So the Independence Day Army Camp next year. See you there. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Isn't it amazing to see how God is leading through these various ministries that we've been hearing about this afternoon? And not just this afternoon, throughout this entire convention, you've been listening to testimonies of individuals who've been sharing about their ministries and how God is working and using these ministries around the world to spread the good news. Do you know every single one of these ministries that have been talked about here this afternoon and in the previous sessions that we have held, each one of those ministries has specific needs. And you know, God has empowered every person that is here this afternoon with specific gifts and talents. Is that right? How many of you this afternoon have been pondering, I wonder how I might get involved in helping one of these ministries? Has anybody been pondering that? Have you been wondering, what could I do to advance God's work through helping one of these ministries. Well, ASI is working on a concept of a database that will be able to help match the needs of the ministry with your gifts. Now, this is kind of a techie thing, and so it's taking us a while to get it off the ground. We call it Volunteer 7. It's a database where the ministries can input the people they need or the resources that they need and you as an individual will be able to go there and post your personal profile. So if you're a carpenter or an electrician or an evangelist or whatever gifts and talents God has given you, you can post those there 
and the computer will be able to kind of match those two things up a little bit and send out some emails and hopefully connect you with where God has in mind for you to serve. Now, right now, you can do this. You can leave here this evening and go over to the exhibit hall, and there are 336 booths there. Amen? Well, maybe even of more than 336. There may be a few more than that. And so you can go through that entire exhibit hall and visit with each ministry and find out where you might plug in. But that's going to take you a while. In fact, if you came to ASI and that's all you did, you would spend your entire time here just going through the booths and finding out what the needs of those ministries were and how you might be able to best plug in. So we're hoping and praying that God will continue to lead in the development of this volunteer7.org is the website. You can go there now. It's a really a kind of a test version. It's not really functional like it ought to be. We have some volunteer programmers that are working on this. We're inviting you to pray with us as we continue to develop this project. We're also inviting you this afternoon to continue to listen and to look for how God is leading you to get involved because that's what ASI is all about. If you come to an ASI convention and you don't get involved, and you go home and you just sit on what you've learned, well, I think that God have a, had a different plan in mind, don't you? Amen. So this afternoon, keep looking for how God wants you to get involved and praying that God will tap you on the shoulder and show you just where he wants you to get involved in helping his movement go forward around the world. Thank you. Now, I want everybody to pay close attention to what we're going to talk about, because this is really cool. Ty, okay. I, have I got your attention? Ty, I've seen some shirts around, and it says digma. Yeah. It's a weird word. It's a weird, it's, it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking dogma, digma, I don't know. It's not dogma, it's digma. Okay, it's digma. As in, do you dig? Do you dig? Yes. Tell me about it. Okay, digma is a Greek word. It occurs one time in the New Testament. It's up to you to find it. I'm not going to tell you where it is. And it means to reveal something in the form of a pattern or an example. More about that later. But digma.com is a powerful new communication device for sharing the gospel with the masses of people that are circulating on the internet. As we all know, this is a very, very current and growing medium of communication. People are watching videos continually on YouTube and on Facebook and people are sharing videos back and forth with one another through the internet. Well, Digma.com is a growing library on the internet, on a website, of short five to seven minute videos on various messages ranging in subject matter from if God exists and if God is love, why is there suffering in the world? That's a good question people are wondering about. To what happens when you die? Short five to seven minute videos that you can not only view at the website, but you can just click on any one of these subjects and a field will open you type in a personal message. Hey, Terry, the other day you and I were talking about whether or not God exists. I think he does. And here's a short video that I'd like you to watch. See what you think about it and let me know. Click. Personal message comes into the email inbox. And right there, with the click of their mouse, they're watching a five to seven minute video on 
plausible reasons why they should consider the existence of God. So you can witness to your friends, your friends that don't believe in God, you can pick 10 friends, click the video, and two minutes you've witnessed to 10 of your friends. Is that easy? It's easy. Can anybody do it? Anybody. How many Anyone people a have computer. a computer? Yeah. <laughs> you have a computer? Almost everybody's got a computer. This is what you can do. This is how we can reach the unreached here in our country, even around the world, but this will do great here in the North American division. It's like handing out truth-filled tracks door-to-door, but it's handing out truth-filled videos computer-to-computer, and we need to mention this part, free. They're all free. They're all free. And we have a video that we'd like to share with you that gives clips from some of these videos and a little bit more of an explanation. And also, you can see Ty's, go to Ty's um, booth exhibit if you want to see more. You can see them all. All right. Thank you. I realize that love cannot exist without freedom. God must exist in a reality we can't even begin to imagine there is more to reality than meets the eye. What I'm suggesting is that the answer lies somewhere else entirely. What if love and not control is God's ultimate goal for our world? Hi, I'm Ty Gibson. Welcome to Digma.com. I am so excited about this website because you're about to discover a powerful new way to share life-transforming messages and videos with your family, friends, and anybody else on the planet who has access to a computer. Digma is a Greek word. It basically means to show or to reveal something by means of a pattern or an example of some kind. It's the second half of the word paradigma, from which we get the English word paradigm, as in paradigm shift. And so what you're going to find at digma.com is a growing library of short videos and transcripts dealing with paradigms and fundamental questions. What's the meaning of life? What is our origin and destiny as human beings? What happens when we die? Does God exist, or are we alone in this vast universe? Why is there so much evil and suffering in our world? We'll also explore the main world views that people hold. Back in 1995, the internet had 16 million users. That may sound like a lot, but it's not. Now, there are nearly 2 billion users, and get this, about 60 billion emails are sent every day of the week. An estimated 70% of Americans have a computer right in their home and stay in touch with family and friends by email. And more than 400 million people are active on Facebook. And 5 million new users are signing up every week. We are literally in the midst of a communications revolution of massive proportion. This is granting the gospel direct and easy access to millions upon millions of homes and hearts. And that's what Digma.com is all about. 
It's a tool for leading our family and friends on an exciting paradigm shift by revealing the truth of God's creative power and his incredibly beautiful character in contrast to our world's popular misconceptions about who God is.
are some things a speaker does not want to have to follow. And that's one of them. Would you say amen out there? Thank you so very much. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is John Bradshaw. I am from It Is Written, and we are about to tell you something exciting, something exciting about something exciting. Some time ago, and we'll give you all of the background and, 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 and so forth of this as we go along, some time ago, a project was born in Las Vegas for Las Vegas and the world, an exciting project, and I've met many people recently here who have said they have participated. Las Vegas project in recent times. We're going to tell you all about that over these next few minutes. But, no, wait a minute. And before we do, I would like to ask a friend of mine to come forward because before Revelation Today takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada, we start January 20. We go for four or five weeks from Las Vegas to Las Vegas and the world. But before that takes place, there is another very, very exciting event we cannot fail to mention to you. Elder Ron Cluzet, where was I supposed to stand? Did they tell me? I don't know. This we'll, look, we'll figure it out. Looks as good a place as any. <laughs> Elder Ron Cluzet, I've got to tell you this by way of introduction very briefly. It was just a few years ago that I was at the Southern Union Ministerium or a minister's council or something. And here was this fellow with a strange accent. And I know how difficult it is to listen <laughs> to people who have an accent. And it was Ron Cluzet he said, who said, we are raising tomatoes, or did you say tomatoes? I, I probably said tomatoes, yeah. What he should have said was, we are raising tomatoes when we could be raising Lazarus. And I never forgot that. Anyway, coming up soon, Prophecies Decoded, led by Elder Ron Cluzet. Tell us something about this. Prophecies Decoded will begin September 30th, and it's the NED event for the North American Division this year. And uh, we have about 640 churches that have signed up, and we, I hope that we get another 300 or 400 more. Magnificent. This is taking place in Madison. Madison is a historic place, right? Yes, it's it is. Madison, Tennessee, just outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. There's already been a lot go on already with, with the series. So yes, our that. approach has been to try to get those churches really ready, do a lot of sewing uh, in the community. So we've, we've produced a four-hour uh, training DVD for evangelism. We produce a 110-page manual. We've done work for youth and personal evangelism, Bible studies, and the creation, evolution, uh, uh, broadcasts, etc. Magnificent. Now, now, Elder Cluzet, over the years, he's done an awful lot. Right now, he's with NADI, North American Division Evangelism Institute. He was a professor at Southern Adventist University. Until very recently, he was the ministerial director for the NAD. This is not a man who does nothing. He does something. And this is fascinating. Is this the first time that a seminary professor has held a, a, a series of this nature? I believe so. I, I believe think so. so. Yeah. So there is hope for seminary professors still. <laughs> I'm glad you see that. <laughs> But that's a big deal, isn't it? You know, that, that, out, that the seminary professors get up from out behind the desk or out of the classroom and out into the field yeah. and, and, and model for the world what can be done when somebody filled with the Holy Spirit takes a Bible and starts preaching the Word of God. What can we expect to hear in Prophecies Decoded? We're going we're gonna to have a lot of uh, very uh, in-depth, uh, well-explained Bible teaching. That's really what we're going to have. We're going to deal with 
with the major uh, teachings of the Bible in, yes. the, in the context of prophecy. We're looking forward to this, and God is going to bless, I know. I'm writing a book right now on how to interpret Bible prophecy, and we're going to give that away uh, the first night. We've made a deal with the Andrews Study Bible so that we will have a, the Bible available to everybody for all the churches to have for only $11. And that's the entire Bible, just, as, you know, just as it is when, when it's very expensive. So a, a lot of good things uh, happening. What people want to know is how they can participate in Prophecies Decoded. Get on the website, <clears throat> prophesiesdecoded.com. Uh, there is two websites. That's the public website. The church website is host.prophesiesdecoded.com. I'm sorry we don't have this on the screen. But remember that, prophesiesdecoded.com. You can sign up as a prayer warrior there. You can get your church to get signed up and then <clears throat> get some of the resources that we've talked about and get ready. You can sign up for the archaeology mm-hmm. series, that mini-series that we're doing uh, September 14. Right. Uh, Dr. Michael Hazel and I do this interactively. Uh, we're going to uh, deal with questions every night. And it's a fascinating, we've been doing this for years. It's a fascinating, uh, you know, trip into getting a, a established credibility in the Word of God. Great, great. So the next series coming up, Prophecies Decoded, start date is? September 30, and it goes for the whole month of October until October 29, and five nights a week, um, and uh, every, every night except for Sunday and Thursday. And to get on board, prophesiesdecoded.com, then there's the other one, host.prophesiesdecoded.com. That's right. And this is, this is another wonderful opportunity for churches all across the Fruited Plain to participate in sharing the gospel, the, 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 the three angels' messages that's going to be proclaimed powerfully Amen. by Ron Cluzet. Amen. Dr. Cluzet, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God our bless our you, prayers John. are with you, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank, you. Right. thank you. Thank you so very much. You know what's terrific about this is that uh, Prophecies Decoded uh, comes in October, then in January, then in January, we get to do it again. January 20 is the start of Revelation today. Uh, it is written as conducting this uh, seminar in Las Vegas, Nevada, Sin City, and it, and it is Sin City. But Las Vegas is a wonderful place full of people who are searching for Christ. It's a needy place, and uh, the way this project got started was really rather interesting. Um, earlier this year, we began with a four-night series called Babylon Rising, and it, it went so well We'll tell you how well in just a moment. I think it might be good to get some background, to get some background. Now, to prove that I have more than one friend in this world, I'm going to ask another friend of mine to come out here just now, and he happens to be a friend of yours. And I am very, very glad to ask Sean Boonstra to be here with me today. Hey, John. Good to have you here. It's, uh, it's very good to be here. Yes, it is. Very good. Sean was right there when, uh, when uh, the, the whole Las Vegas project was conceived. I hope it's okay to put it like that. He was right there <laughs> at that time. Can you give us some background about how this came together? Because what uh, the, the Las Vegas project is, and we're going to start calling this thing Revelation today, it's a massive collaborative effort. There's, it is written, there is the Nevada, Utah conference and their visionary support, and then a whole host of ASI Ministries. We'll tell you about most of those in just a moment. Take us back there. Well, I, I think, John, that this was born, Las Vegas was born 
well, I know how Las Vegas was born. It was gambling and yeah, drugs and that kind of thing. But as far as the, the project goes, it was really born out of the philosophy that the It Is Written team has that life is just too short to do the ordinary for God now. It's just too short. We're running out of time. It's pretty evident that we're up against the very last events. And so we were thinking, what could we do? I mean, here we are. We're living in this terrible, broken world. Life's not that good here. And yet God hangs in front of his people this opportunity to do exciting and great things. And my own philosophy has been, uh, why live life boring? If you're going to do something, do it right and do it big. And personally, I'd like to cross, if the Lord doesn't come, I'd like to cross life's finish line with my hair on fire and my shoes worn out and just doing great things for God. Well, you're halfway there. Yeah, my shoes are already gone, John. They done wore out already. (laughs) I haven't worn them for years. There you go. You know, God dares us to do the unimaginable. Yes. I mean, he, he gives that to us as a gift. And I don't want to do what's boring. And so we looked across the map. What could we do that would really raise a monument to the glory of God? Amen. I mean, what could you do that would really inspire the hearts of everybody? And that's an important key, too, because what we really want to do, John, and I know you and I, our hearts beat the same mm-hmm. on this. We want to give courage back to our church members to get out there and preach what we've been given as a distinct remnant people yes. of God. And have the courage to share it. So often we hear these exciting stories, don't we, about, oh, they held this meeting overseas and they baptized 20,000 people and, wow, that was exciting. And then we kind of wistfully sigh, wouldn't it be great if we could do that here? And I happen to know, you know, I'm still pretty young, but after a few years on the road, I happen to know it can be done. I am pretty young. (laughs) I'm 30-12. How old are you, John? <laughs> now, what were you saying? Yeah, we want to <laughs> we want to get everybody's courage level up. You are right? young, aren't you? Yeah, I've yeah. spent some time on the road, and I know there is no place on earth it can't be done. That's the truth. There is no place. God did not make a mistake with the assignment he gave us. He didn't make a mistake with the message he gave us. He didn't make a mistake with the methods he gave us. That's right. He's not in heaven right now rewriting the plan for the last days mm-hmm. because he didn't see this hour. It can be done anywhere. So the philosophy is this. Where could we go where nobody could say it can't be done? Right. Right. Where could you go and demonstrate, hey, if it can be done here, it can be done on your street. And you and I have talked about this so often. I mean, where else but Sin City? Mm -hmm. Going to Sin City. If you win souls to Jesus in Sin City, which you are already winning souls. I mean, what happened with Babylon Rising is phenomenal. Great stuff. Phenomenal. If it works there, it works anywhere. And then the collaborative thing. I mean, look at the people at ASI. Everybody's got this passion and dream that God has put in their heart. Some in literature, some in health, and all these different areas. Those are all pieces of a great machine. That like, Just imagine if we assembled the whole machine and all worked together. Well, I mean, what if all of these like-minded people here at ASI worked together? I think we'd turn the world upside down for Jesus Christ. I think Las Vegas is the place, John, that uh, a great monument to the honor of Jesus could be raised. Amen. Could be raised. We're thrilled. Yeah. Well, in, in the project then, I got benched. And, um, yeah, I, I did. And I prayed, Lord, how's it going to go forward? And I'm so excited that the Lord has answered that prayer. I mean, John, what the Lord's doing through you right now, 
it just blows my mind. Interactive evangelism online. I was watching. That was cool. Wasn't yeah, it? I was watching from home on like my uh, laptop, and I was asking you Bible questions. You didn't know it was me, but so it was I, you asking all these questions. I was sending in questions. We got questions. What happens when you die? We got questions. Should people obey God? Some guy writes a question. Can you break down the chiastic structure of the Book of Revelation? That was you. That was me, and. I would put the question into the computer and bang, I watched it pop up on the screen behind you instantaneously. What a day and age we live in. I gave a good answer to that question. It was pretty good. Yeah, there you go. It was pretty good. And then I put another one in a follow-up question, never made it to the screen somehow. Go figure. John, I'm so, <laughs> I am so excited over what God's doing with this. And we are thankful. Sean was right there when this thing was born. And, 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 it, and God is doing something great and he's going to do something that, that will, I think, cause us to say, there is a God on the throne in heaven. Amen. And, and, and we're full of confidence in him. I'm going now, right? I'm going to go. Okay. John, God, God bless, bless you. you. I am Thank so you. thrilled with what God is doing with you in Las Vegas. Folks, get involved in this. This is going to explode across the face of North America. God bless Thank you, the John. Lord. God bless you. There's something we'd like to show you. We have a, a, a brief video. I tell you what happened. Someone said, give us two minutes. And our editor got working on this. He said, there's just too much. I mean, editors like to chop stuff out. He said, there's just, there are so many things that people have got to see. So let's take a look at, we're going to go back and look at what took place with Babylon rising. We'll hear some testimonies. We'll, we'll see some of the action. This will help us know what has happened already and it will help us to see where God is taking this project, Revelation Today, in Las Vegas. This is Babylon Rising from the Cashman Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. I've got to tell you, we here are excited because the people coming out are excited and enthusiastic. Great things have been happening. We've met so many people who are having a good time. They're getting their questions answered. They're seeing things in the Bible they've never seen before. And they're being attracted to Jesus because by the grace of God, we're lifting him up. This has been just phenomenal, really it has. We're in essence, uh, we're punching the devil in the mouth and he doesn't like that. It's been absolutely exciting actually. Uh, it far exceeds our expectations in uh, what we thought was going to happen here at these meetings. I have just watched a, an amazing, amazing coming together of all the churches and uh, the outreach for all of the people who are actually coming. And I'm so excited to see uh, mostly a non-Adventist crowd here. Even here in Las Vegas, and maybe especially here in Las Vegas, people are looking for answers to their questions and they are coming here. You can see the enthusiasm. As I would sit, I've watched a couple of people and I knew the Holy Spirit was convicting them at that time because of the notes that they were taking, the expression on their faces, their body language, you knew 
that they were hearing something that was different, something they hadn't heard in the past. Church members have just been thrilled and excited. They keep coming every night and every morning, and they're paying parts in this, whether they're greeters or whether they're registers or praying with me or whatever. And the, the whole tenor is that I've never heard the Bible spoken this way, and we are really excited because the people sitting in my area are really interested, and they keep coming every single session. I believe they wanted something deeper, and they were finding that here in the meetings in Las Vegas, a place that you would think, why would anybody want to have an evangelistic series in Las Vegas? Sin City. All of our churches are involved across the city, and that's uh, a first for at least a long while, um, and we are just thrilled, just thrilled that all of the churches are working harmoniously together. This working together has really impacted all of us, not just the church members, but the pastors too, with, with a new enthusiasm and excitement for what our, our mission really is. And what's unique about this, there has never been as many ministries and organizations that have come together to put an event like this on. This has been just exciting to us to see the number of people who have come to listen, to know, to find out what it's all about. And from there, we will actually have some names to work with as we go forward. It's not just a reaping crusade, it's a planting crusade. I believe this model is something that can be duplicated and I think it can be highly successful. We already anticipate because of this event that we can do the four week one in January and February. That we don't have to be ashamed or we don't have to be fearful that they're not gonna come. This is proven to us that they will come. I guarantee you that the Lord will bless come January 20th of 2012 and we will see amazing things. We were hoping that these meetings would bring interest to us that we could work with over the coming year as we prepare for the next portion of this meeting. And it has been just absolutely fantastic what has happened. What we're looking for now, and we've noticed like last night especially, people are signing up for Bible studies. We are going to just sort of like a spider on a trap. We're gonna jump on that fly and we're gonna go and study the Bible with these people so that we can bring them along so when John comes six months from now, uh, they will be ready and waiting for this event to take place. So we're really looking forward to the Bible studies that are taking place. We are getting so many names, and if our people are faithful and follow up those names, this place is going to be packed and beyond for the next set of meetings. What, what they say, what happens here stays here? Well, I think what happens here is gonna go out to the world. We are sort of proud here in Las Vegas because we now sense that we may be able from this place called Sin City to make an impact on other parts of not only the country but the world in a place they never thought something like this could happen. Not only happen, but succeed. One of the things I believe personally that's gonna happen is people are gonna people are gonna find the Lord here in Las Vegas, but they're not gonna stay in Las Vegas. They're gonna to wanna to go tell other people, and they may go out to the world. 
it is going to be great for the Lord, we know that, because we know that right here in Las Vegas, so many people come here and move quickly, and we know that this message is going to be carried all around the world because of this meeting and the people who come to this meeting. So it is going to be a huge impact. And they're going to take the message that they found in Las Vegas, and they are going to take it to the world. They're going to go to wherever their home is, wherever they're from, and their family's going to say, there's something different about you. And they're going to say, yeah, there is, and I want to tell you about that. That's what's exciting about Las Vegas. If it can be done here, it can be done anywhere. It is written, go everywhere, man. Preach this beautiful series and message. I want to tell you that... Uh, I want to tell you that right now we're following up about 12 to 1,500 people who have requested uh, to, to learn more about what they've learned in Babylon Rising. Uh, tell you in a moment that uh, one wonderful ASI ministry has created a massive problem for us, and we're so happy about that. I was in a church in Las Vegas recently, not one of the biggest churches there. A lady reached over, I'm so glad to meet you. Oh, I didn't know we'd met. Oh, I watched you on 3ABN. You did Babylon, right? How did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it so much, and I've been watching that for so long, I just decided I got to worship with those people. This is my church now. I met another lady, same thing, and then I met a man in the foyer. I said, well, how long have you been coming to church here? Coming to church? This is my first time. I went to Babylon Rising. I got involved in Bible studies, and here I am. We've already had people baptized. That was from four nights. What can God do from four weeks? Now, Terry, this God. is what's so very powerful about this. You got, uh, it is written, Nevada, Utah Conference, and then ASI comes along and brings, well, let's start talking about who's involved here, because this is where it gets really exciting. See, what we thought about, and it's been talked about before, is what if we put all of the ministries together? What if ministries wanted to get involved? What could happen? And we are seeing it happen. This has not ever been done in the North American Division, where this many ministries came together for one event. So let's, let's just mention some of, these, some of the ministries, and I hope we get them all. Project Restore is doing something magnificent with, uh, with literature that we can distribute. We have Souls West is helping us. They've done a great job. Eden Valley who is going to be there doing all kinds of wonderful health outreach. I want to take a minute to pause on the Project Steps to Christ right now. Those are the guys that are creating us headaches. They are. Right now, there's a, the shipment is on their way to Las Vegas with the first 250,000 Steps to Christ to be mailed. Following them is the next 250,000 projects or the steps to Christ. And here's the, here's the problem. It's, not a, it's, it's one of the best problems we've ever had. We've got in there an advertisement saying, if you want Bible studies, get in touch. Now, Project Steps to Christ told us about the average. If you mail out, you can expect to get this many back. We are about to be swamped, deluged with Bible study requests. We are so happy that we're going to have more Bible studies uh, requests than we even know what to do with. The Lord is going to help us through this. It's a wonderful challenge to be involved in. And what we need is prayer. We need prayer continuously. So let's, let's move on. We have AFCO. Thank the Lord being there, who are training lay people who are now enthusiastically getting out and following people up. So it is written as working together with AFCO. We have Amen. I tell you what we're doing. Listen, and this uh, it follows on from what Elder Wilson said earlier. Um, I believe medical missionary is going to get done in a powerful way before Jesus comes back. 
and, 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 I'm, and it is written, we are committed to seeing it happen. We contacted Amen. We said, will you come and put together a medical missionary program? Uh, give us a, 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 a series, two series, three series. We are going to be able to say to the world church, this is a model for successful medical missionary evangelism. We're excited about what God's going to do. And let's go through Tony Moore, the biblical world, faith for today. Karen Houghton's doing cooking schools from Heart Research. We got Bible schools, 3ABN. It's going to be on 3ABN. It's going to be on the Hope Channel. We have Netta Serves helping us. Jesse Johnson, our own Mid-America president and his ministry. The VOP, the Bible school that we have there. They're all coming together for one project, and that is to save souls in Las Vegas. And it seems like there's never been a collaborative project this big. And it's getting bigger. I've had people ask me, can we participate? The answer is yes, by the way. So as, as we get, tell us, we need to talk a little bit about how you, the ASI members, can participate. Because this, this is a big piece of what we want to do. We want your involvement. Terry's already said what we want you to do. We're asking you humbly, would you pray? Pray and pray and pray. This is a wonderful opportunity for people to see Christ like they've never seen him before. Also, we would like you to go to your churches and say, we've got to be involved in this. And then we've got to go out of the highways and the byways and compel people to come so that they too can, can be in here uh, 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 sensing the Holy Spirit's moving and being drawn to Christ. This is a great thing to do at home. This is internet-based. We want to reach a million people a night, and we think we can around the world. I know that's a big goal. We serve a big God. And this is, you can go to the asiministries.org website. You can find out how you can participate, how you can have this in your home, how you can have it in the church. You can do it as a small group. This will make a huge impact. I've had a number of people talking to me about Babylon rising. Oh, we did it at home. We did it on the patio. We did it in our church. You can take this via television. There's got to be, it's, it's, as Terry said, or fire up the computer and, and, and watch on your screen. You'll be able to watch it on your phone. You'll be able to contact people and let them know where they can just click that link and, and participate in, in a revelation today from Las Vegas to the world. So for more information, you can go to itiswritten.com, revelationtoday.com, and uh, contact us, either of those avenues, and we'll plug you in, let you know how you can use this to be a huge blessing to you, to your family, to your circle of influence, to your community, and ultimately to the world. Thank you. And God bless you. Thank you for your prayers.
Amen. Wasn't that a powerful afternoon? Amen. That's what uh, a little bit of the millennium is going to be like, listening and praising God and, and hearing testimonies how God has used us frail human beings to save souls for his kingdom. Our Lord and our God, may you bless us. Bless this group here and bless your denomination and continue to bless your work and move it forward by your grace. Keep us. Keep us on your path. Keep our eyes focused upward. Keep us from turning to the right hand or to the left. Keep us in your path. Lord, make your face to shine upon us. Lord, open your eyes upon us and shine your glory upon us and reveal to us any sins in our lives and lead us in the way of repentance and the way everlasting. Lord, be gracious unto us. Be merciful unto us. Forgive us and transform us by your grace and fill us with your power. Lord, lift up your countenance upon us. Shine your glory off of us and out of us for your honor and for your glory. And give us your peace, your shalom. Fill our hearts and our minds with your eternal peace. And use us as peacemakers on this earth, sharing your gospel and sharing your good news so that there'll be more people in heaven. Continue your work and give us the power to endure till the end. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.